a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. So you're on a date. Okay, just picture this. And you exchange pleasantries. You fire off questions about how your day was and details about your jobs. And it's a friendly conversation. It's going well. And maybe there's some occasional smiles and polite laughs. But after 45 minutes, there's this awkward silence and then a period of awkward silences. And your date seems, well, a little disconnected, uninterested, answering anything and everything with one word. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Great. And they literally start yawning in your face and you quickly try to revitalize things by inserting some jokes you heard maybe that your friend said, or like you draw it out of your hat because you know that that usually gets a laugh. And you, you tell a million times, like you're a floundering comedian and things just flatline. And in the end, your date says, It was so nice meeting you, and perhaps you can maybe be friends. Those dreaded words, let's be friends. (laughs) But wait, wait for it. And then you hear on top of it, I just didn't feel the chemistry, right? This is a common theme that happens a lot to a lot of the clients that I work with. And you might even realize that there's a familiar pattern of you having boring dates and always ending up in the friend zone. And you understand that the importance of learning how not to be boring is important. I mean, it's important to you, but it's hard to know how to get around that, get over it, and just have the dates feel fun. Um, I remember when I was doing this flirt workshop, uh, it was about a year ago, and this was the big um, immersion flirt workshop that I had where I had people go on a mock date in front of everybody. And What was so interesting, I mean, these people didn't know one another and they started bantering. And I think the woman in the date had this little rubber ducky in the back of her screen and her quote unquote date was talking about the rubber ducky. And so they had this whole date around the rubber ducky and they were having fun and they were laughing. And so when the date was over, I asked you know, the audience or the people in the workshop, what did they think of the date? Most people thought it was cute and fun. And there was this one woman who, who said that was, that was the most painful, horrible date I've ever seen. I said, wow, really? Like what, what was bad about it? And she's like, well, they didn't really talk about anything. You know, they didn't really get to know each other. They didn't like exchange information. And it was a big kind of aha moment for her when I, really highlighted the fact that, you know, what was hard for her about flirting and dating was exactly why it was uncomfortable for her to watch that date. Because then when I asked the two people, how did they feel in the date? They said, that was the best date I've ever had. And most people enjoyed it because really at the end of the day, it wasn't about the facts that were being exchanged. It was the playfulness. It was the feelings that got solicited on the date. And for that woman who was uncomfortable, she had a huge breakthrough and realized that she was leading every date 
with what she did for a living, all the activities that she was trying to impress upon with the guy. And once she got it, a lot of the stuff, you know, around her perception of what a good date was completely changed. And she ended up having really playful, fun dates. Now it took some coaching and it took some practice, but here's the thing. What people mistakenly think is that they will focus on the facts like that woman and the lines that they're going to say on the date. And you can be friendly and you can kind of shoot the breeze with somebody, but what happens is that there's not enough focus on the feelings. And at the end of the day, what makes someone feel attracted and connected to you is based on how they feel when they're around you. So it's not about the facts. It's about the feelings. And the name of the game is learning how to do this, of course, with practice, working on delivery of your conversations, and really breaking out of your routines. You know, not being boring all comes down to saying yes to more opportunities and experiences. And the more times you say yes, the more excitement and fun you invite into your life that will break up that monotony of sometimes those, you know, boring, dry conversations. And maybe you're too stuck in a routine or you lack the mindset of spontaneity. And then that comes across in a way that you talk about your life. And if you ever met a person who seems excited about life, like notice their excitement in their body, their voice when they're saying it. So it's not even the content, but it's the delivery of it because they're filled with so much happiness, purpose, adventure, excitement, spontaneity, and wonder in their lives. And this isn't to say that, you know, any kind of routine is bad. I'm not saying that, but it is you know, if it's making you boring, then maybe your predictable and boring pattern of everyday life has worn you down and left you jaded or even fearful that your ideas are even interesting. So you hold back. And when you're a boring person, I'm just going to say this, not only will you scare off your date, but it will hinder you from living your best life. So with me on the line today is a gentleman who I met recently in one of my workshops. And I'm so happy he is coming on because, you know, he he's so awesome. He's so open. He's an amazing, sexy voice when you hear it. <laughs> and he struggles, though, with feeling like a boring guy on dates, which often puts him into the friend zone. So I'm excited to help him uncover what is going on and perhaps infuse a little fun and flirtiness in his interactions. Welcome, Dustin. Are you there? Here I am. See, isn't that a sexy <laughs> voice, y'all? <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> yeah, and see, you don't even try. And that's what's so like amazing to me that you're having um, these issues, I will say, especially with your voice. But we'll, we will dig into that. So anyway, just tell us a little bit about you and kind of what's going on in your dating life and, and some challenges you're having in this area. And then we can kind of talk through it. Well, um, thank you so much, um, Kimmy. And I'm just, I just want to say how glad I am to be here. It's really such a, just a wonderful opportunity to, to have this kind of a conversation, kind of a dialogue, um, with you, with all your insight and experience with this. Um, I, a little bit about me, I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) My, um, I'm, I'm 43. I, Am um, I am single? <laughs> I <laughs> ready to mingle. Um, <laughs> exactly, and uh, yeah, you know what? The, what uh, so many of the things that you brought up in in the introduction are just uh, are so relevant um, to my life and my experience. I am one of these people who 
you know, like you were saying, I struggle with being, um, I guess, somewhat boring, somewhat predictable. I was always the nice guy, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that you can't have the the boring, the boredom, and the predictability along with it. Um, you know, some things that just come a little bit more naturally to certain people with attraction haven't come to me that naturally. So, you know, for many years, I would say, you know, my teens and, and college years and my 20s, I would just say, well, what's, you know, this this is just ridiculous. Um, everyone says I'm so great. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. not, not to sound, not to sound cocky. Um, but yeah, you know, I would, I got into a pattern of, of, um, either not getting dates or going into dates or even getting into relationships that I immediately ended up being very unhappy with or was just, um, and ended up needing to get out of or was, um, <laughs> was broken up with, which was actually for the better. Later, I later on found out. Um, and then I would, you know, I would just be that passive, boring person and then wonder why people would get bored of me or why I was, you know, uh, attracting women who at first I thought were great because, wow, they're willing to go out with me. And then I would wonder, you know, why either they would get bored of me or mm. they really turned out to be very controlling and, um, you know, possessive and having a lot of the qualities that I really was, you know, hoping to to not stumble upon. So, you know, fast forward into my 30s, the late 20s into 30s, um, I got burnt out from it. And really, like, you know, you mentioned, can we get into that period of, well, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay away from it. I'm gonna hold back mm-hmm. and isolate, not, not to use an overly used term in these days and day and age, but isolate and uh, mm-hmm. kind of thumb my nose at the system, which is, you know, literally being a rebel without a clue uh, about how to handle <laughs> it. And, um, you know, and then finally, I, I just, I realized that there's so much out there that I, you know, there's so many people out there. I'm not the only one. There are people out there that are working to help themselves and others willing to work with them, um, you know, in ways that are very constructive and positive. And, um, you know, as I got back into knowing that I, you know, I tried some online dating in the last couple of years. I've been out on a couple of times. And while I'm glad to be back in that spot where I'm at least willing and able to do that, it still always kind of ended up in the same way. Either, you know, there wasn't a chemistry or I thought there was and she didn't or, you know, I just got, I I would feel drained at the end of dates just because I sat there just trying to spark some chemistry and mm. I was, you know. So, so um, that's that's a long story short. I'm sure we'll we'll find more to, to bring into it as the conversation flows though. Oh my God. Well, first of all, that was such a beautiful summary and thank you for sharing all that. And, it is interesting how things like kind of form over time. You had mentioned something um, as you were first sharing your story. You said in your teens, was there a period of time where you were a little more like fun and vivacious and outgoing, that kind of thing? Or has this always been hard for you? Um, I've gone through periods where I, I was a little bit more vivacious, excuse me, and outgoing. Mm-hmm. Um Definitely a, a little bit more, I would say, in college, um, in my, you know, my, meaning my late teens, early 20s, in, you know, in, in, in high school and junior high school, I was, um, I was, I was really quite shy and quite aloof. Oh. Um, <clears throat> I was, 
you know, I'm an only child. I don't want to get into too much, too much, you know, psychobabble, but you know, oh, I'm an only child. that's what we I, do here, though. <laughs> yeah, and I know you're a therapist, so you know this. This is probably what psychobabble. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's relevant. So you know, I, I am an only child. I, mm-hmm. you know, when I was growing up, I really, you know, I had another first cousin who was my age, um, who I would see sometimes, and you know, I went to, I went to pre-K. I, you know, I spent time around other children growing up, but just never related to them all that well. Um, and I think that that kind of, you know, that definitely could have set a tone for, you know, failing to really be in on all the social cues that somebody would need to be in as they were growing up to really Mm. make good friendships and good, you know, um, you know, good romantic connections too, starting in, you know, I don't know, whatever elementary school and then, you know, gun and progressing. It just, I didn't follow that trajectory that. A mm-hmm. lot of people do. And it always kind of just bewildered me. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, so in college, you know, I was I was definitely college in my 20s. You know, I I really I took some um, I, I was more outgoing. I, I I did a lot of traveling in my 20s. I lived overseas and really just took a lot of different steps to try to get out into the world and figure out what else was out there. Am I missing something? Am I, you know, um, what, what I found was really the same problems that was facing that that were facing me um where i was living and as i was growing up you know when i would go to other places and meet new people especially in the area of you know trying to find dates or keep attraction mm-hmm. when it was sparked the same thing would would happen whether it was in the united states or uh wow. the czech republic or you know every uh-huh. everywhere else i was there was no um, escape <laughs> yeah yeah and and yeah. and so um uh, I, you know, I always, I, I would say my, I definitely have a better sense of humor now. I, I do have the ca- the capacity to, you know, to be playful, especially if I get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of reciprocity, you know, in terms of carrying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes I've met, I just, you know, I met somebody and had a great conversation with them and there was that kind of playful spark. And, you know, unfortunately it just never progressed or it was a situation where we weren't in the same place and we just wasn't able to continue um and that's something that led me to say okay I know that there's something there's something back there I need to know how to tap into it better mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. sense. yeah you know I was going to ask you going back to the psychobabble stuff um but it is important <laughs> no, no. I think it's I said, related I shouldn't have called it that it's it's, it's but it, it's I yeah relevant. I it's good it's because I, I say it all the time here on the podcast um <laughs> I meant that from a place of humor that's, that's right not it's, it's condescension. Right. <laughs> but that was so boring Dustin no I'm just kidding yeah. um <laughs> I love it. See, this love is it. this is how a date should feel. Exactly. Um, when you were young, and and I mean, we don't have to get into it too much, but just like in your family system, like I get like the social kind of aspect of it, but like in your family system, were was there this sense that you could play, and and what was you know stuff going on there? Yeah, there there, def- there, there definitely was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I. There were there were there was a couple of people who I felt really comfortable enough around to really play like that, and they were they were you know children of my parents' friends, and they were they're mm. and they're wonderful, and I'm still in contact with most of them, and they're they're still wonderful. Um, and you know there was always a couple of times where you know we you know going out on the playground and in, in elementary school, and you know we we would have a good time, but you know then there were 
other times when you know just because I was like the the you know the kind of the the shy fat weird kid I was you know just kind of off on my own or you know avoiding uh. people because of how they would treat me and um but yeah there was there was play there was play with you know with with my with my um with my first cousin who I told you about and mm-hmm. um you know even you know with with a couple of key people who I met in school that really did turn out to be good friends um and yeah in my house I mean you know I I <laughs> you know I I grew up in I was born in the 70s. I grew up in the early 80s. It was different. We were allowed to play. I was allowed to, yeah. you know, um, it's much different. They didn't have the kind of helicopter parenting that there was now. So I never, my parents really never gave me all that many um, limitations. And I never really, which was great because, it, you know, it gave me that freedom. But I also never, um, you know, be, I never really felt like I had to fight and rebel and be all that bold. So yeah, I didn't develop certain instincts of having to do that, that I need that, you know, maybe could have made me could have, you know, countered that, that shyness and that sort of, you know, <laughs> that, that, that tendency to keep things a little bit just kind of steady and predictable, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and I think, you know, what I'm hearing, too, is that it, it really started from within and how you saw yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and I just wondered that, you know, where it was set early on that you were worried about what other people thought or felt and you put more focus and emphasis on that versus just letting go and, and being you and not worrying about the rejection and and all that stuff. And what happens like over time is that you just learn to do that because there's a sense also, if you think about it, when you're when you're doing that, there's a sense of control. And when you're feeling out of control in some ways with the silliness or letting go, because you're worried about how that'll be perceived, then it's easier just to be predictable and in control. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes I would, you know, I would try to, to be, to break out of that shell and then if it, but it was because I was trying to force it. So yeah. you know, the other the other kids around me in my classroom or on the playground are just like, oh God, he's just being so weird. What is wrong with him? Or mm. you know, or um, you know, or in other instances where you know I would I would um, if I were in a situation where, especially where my parents are were around, but I was around other children, I would feel you know I felt a lot of pressure to try to change myself to get myself to be more social and accepted to them because I guess it was a thing one of the things with um, um, especially with my dad and I don't want to you know turn this into a you know blame your parents thing but you know he um, he always wanted me to be more social and have more friends and didn't like it that I was that I was a loner and it was always a you know I knew that he was kind of watching me when I was around other other kids because he would you know he would give me feedback on what he saw. And I realized that, you know, he meant well doing that, mm-hmm. but it, it, it put me into this, this, this kind of position where I felt like, okay, um, people are watching me now. And if I want, you know, if I want his approval, um, then, oh, I, I, I really better look like I'm having a good time playing with these kids, you know? <laughs> Austin, that's huge what you just said yeah, just yeah. now. Like, do you see how that dynamic might be also, intertwined with how you approach women and definitely because I, mm-hmm. you know, I want them, uh, I would say, okay, I have to, I have to make sure that I'm, I'm, I look, I'm, 
I, I put up a good appearance and I'm using yep. the right words and getting the right responses and just making everything be the way it should instead of making everything be spontaneous. Right. And so it's almost like this planned and authentic thing that you're like so worried about impressing the woman to get the validation yeah, versus yeah. have it come from just being you because history has it that being you wasn't quite enough in yeah. your history. Right. Or it, or it needed to be changed. It needed to be or changed. To Correct. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. No, I mean, this is really, really important, actually, the connection here, because a lot of what I, it sounds like what stops you from just kind of being that fun, loving, goofy guy. And I know he's in there to yeah. be honest, because I, we just demonstrated actually about 10 minutes ago, like you have that, but I think maybe you hold back in fear of dot, 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 you know, whatever right. that is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I know we, we, we even talked a little bit about that on our first phone chat and I've, you know, mm-hmm. I've gotten, I think I mentioned, you know, I've gotten some similar feedback, um, you know, about that from some people, you know, some people who I've worked with closely and, you know, who, who I know. And, you know, part of that, I you know, it, it definitely goes back to to these situations I was just telling you about, and then, you know, I think like I mentioned to you some also a little bit from, you know, sometimes when I was more outgoing and just willing to let it all be out there, you know, when I was younger, in my teens and twenties, that you know, I would I went overboard. I just didn't know exactly what, how much to hold back and how much to give out, and that you know, in terms of being in relationships with people at that age, there's, you know, that, that went overboard and, you know, I ended up getting rejected in some very, um, painful ways at the time, Mm. uh, because I didn't know exactly where that balance was. And I think, unfortunately, that just reinforced my, you know, initially just kind of staying away from the whole scene at all. And then mm-hmm. even now my, you know, my sort of not being sure where to, when to hold back and when, to, how to not hold back. Um, but at least I feel like I'm at least I'm more aware of that now. Thanks yeah. to, to you, you know, I appreciate Aww. that. No. Yeah. That's huge. And I, I talk about this often and I call it the pendulum effect, you know, like mm-hmm. you're one way and that's not working. And and then what happens a lot of times is you overcompensate and overgeneralize to all the way at the other end of the spectrum. Yes. And then that doesn't work either. And so I just, you know, like that awareness stage is huge because that's the first step to change quite honestly, I feel once you have that awareness and now you're in the state of recalibration, like how do you find the balance between, um, the, the two, cause yeah, you don't want to do too much and you don't want to hold back either. So right. it, it is kind of that thing in between. And, but then the question becomes how, mm. right? Definitely. Like, it's like, okay, well I, I get this, but how, like, what is the right balance? How do I go about it? So I want to get into that a little bit. If you, um, maybe like just kind of picture you on a date and you, and you said that like the typical thing sometimes ends up being where either it's boring, predictable, friend zone like what ends up happening? Kind of walk me through that. That's a good question. Um, what ends up happening, I would say a lot of times I will put myself under pressure to think of these sort of interesting questions or 
topics to bring up that are, you know, uh, that I think are, you know, go. I, I want to get beyond. I, I don't want to sound like I'm interviewing. I don't want to get into well, you know, the basic. Oh, you know, where are you from? How is you know? What do you do? How do you like your job? I don't, you know. Wah, I, wanna, wah, I try wah. to get right exactly. So, you know, I try <laughs> yeah. to to really just from what I know about who I'm speaking with, you know, maybe get a little bit beyond that, or just you know, if there happens to be wherever we are, something you know, going on that I can talk about or just something that we both know we're interested in. You know, I try to, I try to talk, I try to talk about those things. I try to poke fun in a friendly way if there's a chance to do so. Um, And I, you know, that, like I said, can get, it it, it gets so far, but, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times it just um, ends up with me being sort of, draining myself um draining myself mentally and emotionally and <clears throat> really not getting a lot of a of a response or when you know the mm-hmm. one the last time I did the one time I did think I you know I got a good response I texted her the next day to say hey I had a really nice time and then she said yeah I felt no chemistry sorry so um, ah, you know okay. uh so obviously I mean I mean and obviously yeah. you know that's 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 my side I mean you know that it depends on the person and sometimes the person isn't just right and it's it's better to know that always and just right. you know and just move on but um that's a very you know in terms of recently you know in the, the mm-hmm. last couple of years and the couple of dates I've I've gone on that's that's been my kind of, you know, method of operation. Mm. Um, so at least it's like, I'm, you know, I'm through with the interview phase, which was you know <laughs> what I would go back into when I was younger and then, mm-hmm. you know, wonder why nothing came of it. But still, you know, when, whenever I was trying to really get into that nice, that nice, playful, fun, spontaneous uh, banter, I, you know, it was, it, it 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 was it was either difficult or impossible because it just I wasn't approaching it from a, a an organic place. I think I was, yeah. again, I was putting myself under the spotlight and worrying about what it looked like. There, yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say that. So, you know, let's get into some just like tangible things that you can do because you're you're in such a good um, learning place and you're open and. I mean, Dustin, you you have so many of the skills and the warmth and um, just the person that you are that you literally can attract whoever you want. But I think it's not until you start getting more present with yes. with things and to make that more like authentic emotional connection rather than yes. trying to yes, have the exactly. script to impress and. and the woman so that, that you get validated and it's like, Oh, now I'm doing it right. Now I'm doing it right. And so it's like more kind of that, that mindset. And one of the things, I mean, I would say the first thing is don't think of topics that you're going to say, like, that's probably the number one thing not to do. And, and I'm probably going against a lot of books that you read. A lot of people out there say, Oh, you know, get a list please of, do because it's, yeah, a, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like, I, I, I don't think that is right. But I have this whole formula that I um, teach people and Dustin, you're in my um, how to date class. So you're going to yes. get to experience that. Um, and I'm going to teach it. And it's called the social engagement formula. And what it is just um, for you listening, it is the notion of how you can move conversations from your head 
into something that's more heart-driven, personal, and emotional, and storytelling in nature. Because I believe that when you start thinking and prefabricating like topics, jokes, things that you're going to do going in, that's when the other person completely feels disconnected to you. Because what you'll what you might be doing is you're like dropping, like, it's just like airdropping things from your, and downloading them from your mind and say, like, oh, wait, I got to say this. Oh yeah, I'm going to do that. But it has nothing to do with what you guys are even talking about who the no, person it's is. it's not present. It's it's not being present. It's <laughs> not, it's not real. It's not, it's really, it's just not, there's nothing about that that would, would generate, um, an emotional connection that really a feeling as opposed to, you know, it's like you were saying it's, it's, you know, you can't, you can't generate feeling from facts and, and, and just, you know, giving these minute boring details that could be from the back of your mind. And that's something you've been storing. It has to be something real that develops as two people get to know each other. Exactly. And it kind of goes back to the example I was giving in the beginning about when that the two people went out on a date and they were talking about the rubber ducky. Now they talked about that ducky for mm, 20 minutes, maybe like I I was timing it. And from that came other themes, right? But it was filled with the emotion of laughter, excitement, um, spontaneity within that, that at the end of the date, they both felt attracted to one another, wow. despite them even knowing anything about anything. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes. And so I think like for you and for you listening, if you struggle with this, in, instead of worrying about also the struggle and of getting to know someone in a, and on all the facts about them and, and, making sure that they know everything about you. Mm. What can you do walking into a date and say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to be, and this is a very simple tip. I'm going to go in and I'm going to just be curious. Mm. That's, that's wonderful. I love that because the, everything else will come. If you get to know each other, Mm -hmm. if there's, if there, if you, you know, if there's a real connection, a real attraction, emotional connection, I feel like, all the interview fact and stuff and the stuff in the back of your mind will just come out in due time and not really shit, not really um, influence the rest of it all that much. It's really the, just that, that feeling that you have to have when you're with somebody. Um, exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. And what I love about curiosity too, is it's something that kids have. Like if you ever watch four or five-year-olds, they're awesome. Like they haven't developed filters yet. And Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, right. And they just like kind of go, what are you doing? Yes. You know, I, yes. I, I like your pail. Can I play? Like, it's just this like innocent kind of curiosity. And because of that, you just feel so relaxed with them too, if you think about it. Definitely. And, and if you, I would even recommend going to a playground and watching kids, like just being around that, um, playfulness and curiosity that will help you tap into that part of you because he is in there. And I think yeah. that if you start thinking, well, and, and I'm, this is almost an oxymoron. I'm like thinking about leading, um, with your body, but it is like that. Like, it's more sure. about 
the body energy that you bring to it, where it's more feeling based versus thought based and, you know, memorizing lines and that kind of thing. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah. And, and even, you know, coming into a date with a story of something that just happened to you and break up the pattern of that, like, thing that always happens on dates. Hi, I'm Dustin. It's nice to meet you. So how was your day? Da, 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 da. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, yeah. if, if I, what I would like do if I were you is try to think back of all the dates and, and understand your cadence. Like you could even write out the script of what normally happens. Sure. And then I want you to crinkle it up and just throw it away and say, you know what, next time I'm not going to say any of these things. And I'm just going to go in with how I'm feeling and share a story and see what comes out of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, just something that's real, something that's just from, you know, the front of your thoughts in your mind at that time. And it, if, if it's really that, I think that will sort of guide itself, you know, if, when you, when you're speaking with someone. Yeah. Like you want to do a little role playing? Sure. <laughs> See, I'm being spontaneous with you. There you go. There you go. Get ready. Get ready. Okay. okay so, Welcome um, on. I see a cute little uh, kitty cat in this picture on zoom here. So I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, um, just have you share a story about your cat. Okay. Go for it. Um, my cat is, <laughs> she is, she is just such a little bundle of personality. Um, and she has this thing where she will, whenever I come back, whenever I come back home from being out, she will greet me and immediately jump up onto my desk where I put my stuff down, um, you know, and she will look up and I know that what, you know, she's greeting me and she's also really telling me, give me, give me a cat treat right now. Like <laughs> you have, you have a window to give me a cat treat. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, you better about, you know, and, and you better give me a little kiss. Hello. But if you don't give me a kiss, if you don't give, don't give me the cat treat soon, if you try to give me a kiss, hello, I'm going to swat you. So, <laughs> so one time I, you know, I, I, you know, I was coming home from, from work and I, it was a, it was late. It was a long day. And I, I just, my mind wasn't with that particular <clears throat> rhythm that it should have been. And I, I dawdled a little bit too long. And then I, you know, I went over to, to give her, um, her treat, but I waited too long and she reached up and, and swatted me in a, in a, in a very friendly way. She's not a mean She's not a mean. Cat, it was a friendly but, uh, swat, yes. Yes, it was a friendly swat, but you know her, her, her claw got me um, just in in such a place where where there was just a tiny little mark. It wasn't bleeding. It was just a tiny little mark, and it was really interesting how the, for the next day or two, while it was still on my face, how you know I kind of had to explain to people. They would kind of be looking at it and wondering what was up with me that I had this little thing. Like, was it you know because it wasn't from a it wasn't. Um, it didn't look like a shaving injury. It didn't, I'll just say that. It was like, okay, it was, it was a, you know, just like this weird little thing that's a cat swat, but you have to explain it. So, you know, I, I ended up explaining this story to a couple of people um, over the next couple of days. And, and, and uh, it, was just, it was just really funny to hear their reactions and see their faces. So, okay, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, have some, I have some notes, but okay. how did that feel overall, just telling that story? It was nice. It was, you know, yeah. it was it was spontaneous. It was lighthearted. It was, you know, there was some there was a, a feeling of you know positivity around it, and 
Yeah. Well, and can you imagine how much more powerful telling a story like that versus, so I have a cat. Right. And then just like nothing. <laughs> I have a cat. Right. I I've had her here. since this day and she's black and white. Right. And, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. She, she's this many years old. And, yeah. Right. And so um, the thing that was missing for me, and this would be good homework for you, and I know uh-huh. we're going to be working on this in class, is that your storytelling is fantastic. And I got a lot of detail from it. I can even okay. see the scratch on your face. I can, <laughs> I, like you set the scene really well and I could sure. just see everything happening. But what was missing was what it meant to you. Okay. The feeling that got solicited from that cat experience. And so bringing that home in the story so that I could feel what that meant to you, that would yeah. be a game changer in the way you told the story. I really appreciate that. That, that, that's huge feedback. I really, I, I really, that's, that's incredible. You're right. I mean, because yeah, it was, I was telling it in a, in a sort of a factual historical recount kind of way, which right. you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not like, it's not going to make you feel really emotionally connected with somebody hearing hearing it that way, but just maybe adding a, you know, a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a sentence here or there about, or about the feeling that I had during that particular, um, that particular time. You're right. That, that could probably. And what was that feeling? Um, just, you know, kind of, um, <laughs> I guess like playful adoration, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, can you imagine telling that story and within the story, you're sharing your emotions about the experience. So then the cat scratched me and I I was in pain, but then at the right. same time, I kind of was, I, I found it humorous and I, and, and laughing yes. <laughs> at this experience. Yeah. And so then I'm feeling why you're telling the story. And I think this is really huge because it's one thing to just, you know, say, oh, but I share a lot on dates and I, I, I share a story, but, but if someone's not feeling you in relation to the story, because you're not right. sharing that, that's where sometimes the attraction isn't there because yeah right like because then the the women aren't really feeling or you're it's like why is this guy telling me the story right like I could say I could have just said like you know what she she reminded me who was boss and uh, you know <laughs> and I I she rem- she reminded me who was boss and I I really I really uh, just was reminded also how you know how uh, how great I am how how great I feel be- when I walk in and see her. You know, and she jumps up on that desk because uh, I was just so taken with it that I forgot to get her treats, and here I am with my scratch now. So. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then taking it one step further about in uh-huh. the context of the date with the woman and saying, you know, at first I was a little embarrassed that I had the scratch on my face, but I need to tell you where this came from, yeah. right? And then you, so that's more like how it's connected to the person in front of you. And then you're telling the story in relation to that. So it's like, there's so much kind of powerful stuff and little things you can do that will make such a big difference. And I know you can do it, Dustin. And the other thing that I will say, um, in addition to, you know, just working on your storytelling and your emotions is, I think we've talked about this before, but 
taking improv, you know, I, and mm. I know you're doing voice lessons right now and you know, that that's also a good thing because there's some exercises there, but doing any kind of acting or improv that can really help you express yourself more and be more spontaneous yes. will be awesome for you. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I, I mean, I've, I've actually, you're, you're, you're so right. I've been, <clears throat> I've been talking with that about that particular subject with, um, you know, with, with some of the people I know from my voice training and, and, you know, I know it would make me, uh, probably ultimately would help my reads, you know, help my, my actual reads that I do for work, um, with, uh, you know, make them better quality too, because it's, it's about that spontaneity. It's the spontaneity and expressing yourself and without worrying about what's going to happen next. I think that's really important to you and knowing that the funniest things that happen in life are ones where you fail and you're fearful Mm. of failure and rejection, but actually what makes you the most attractive is when you fail and you recognize it and you, you own it. Right. Like, and so the funniest improv scenes are ones where they fail miserably because it's hilarious, you know, like, and there's a lot of beats that come from that. And I, the fourth tip that I'll give you is that I, I would love for you to plan spontaneous time for yourself. So pick a day in the week where you're saying, I know, again, an oxymoron, but right. Schedule the spontaneity, right. But it makes a lot of, you have to make the time because we're all, we're all so overbooked as it is. And yeah. Well, and your, your go-to thing is to, you know, be a little more controlled and, you know, patterned. So if you schedule a time where, you are not in your pattern, that you are more spontaneous and whatever that looks like. Great. So every Sunday you're going to do something different from 12 to two. I think that'll help you also with some of that boredom that it Mm. feels like for yourself. Yeah, completely. Oh my God, Dustin, I can go on and on with you, but thank goodness you're in my class so that I get to see you more. And how are you, how are you feeling? Any like takeaways that you want to share? Um, yeah, I mean, this is all just so tremendously valuable. I mean, I can't, I can't even believe how quickly the the past, like, you know, 30, 40 minutes have gone by. Um, (laughs) it's amazing, but, uh, you know, it's, it's truly wonderful to, you know, I can take so much away from these kinds of conversations because like I said, it's constructive. I I want to, I want to understand where, I'm where, you know, I, where I need to change and what, you know, specifically I need to look at to, to what, to, to make a better, you know, just, just show a better version of myself. Like you said, that, that I know we both know is back there. Um, and it's, it's exactly the kind of thing that we just did and talked about the, the, the things we just talked about and the role playing that help point out how you can do that. Yeah. Oh, Dustin. Well, I'm excited for you. I think it's just the beginning stages for you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything. I know you've helped a lot of people today too. (laughs) I hope so. So thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, 
KimmySeltzer.com. And if you are finding yourself being caught in the friend zone with boring interactions and don't know how to get out of that pattern, then click the link you see in the show notes and book a call with me to see if I can help you map out a plan to get into the fun zone. And remember, it starts with you and working on yourself is working on your dating life. That's all for now. 